this okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is how I used to do it. This, this is a problem with only doing this every like couple of months. I forget my setup, but so <laughs> I have my I have my good headphones, but I need to now have the little adapter because with this phone, the iPhone 7 no longer has a headphone jack. No. And no, now they moved it to uh, the just the lightning jack, and so you have a little thing that converts it from lightning to headphones. So I was trying to use my Apple headphones, which you would think would work, right? Yes. That should work on Skype. You'd think, oh, that, would have been something, you'd think that would be something that they would have checked. <laughs> that but is... anyway, it's good to hear your voice. Yes. We need some intro music. Mm-hmm. I will put some intro music. <laughs> something jazzy. <laughs> I'll try to find something jazzy. Something jazzy and cheesy. G- cheesy? What, what, well, would like, that I'm be? thinking, like, um... Bandstand? Dr- dr- like, uh, Drifting by, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy, oh, that was, like, the, I think it was the Joyce Brothers show or something like that. I guess we can't use the same thing as the Joyce Brothers show. What's the one, um, ta da 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 Oh, yeah. That's like, uh... That's one of those 70s shows. The odd, that's that the odd couple? So, so. They were doing that on Friends. I, believe it or not, I, I, I've started watching Friends. Oh, I've never like... seen it. I'd, I'd never really seen it before, but Ashley, Ashley's watched it a couple times. It's actually pretty good. But they oh. were at one point doing, they were at one point doing, that's not the odd couple. The odd couple is to do, 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 Yeah, I'm not good. Similar. I'm telling it's, you. It's similar. No, I know the one you mean. I just, I'm, 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 oh, that's uh, A Taste of Honey. Oh, okay. I don't okay. think that's a TV show. That was like a, that was a Beatles song. Is it? Well, I don't okay. think it was even a Beatles song. It was probably actually a cover by the Beatles, but. A taste of honey, tasting much sweeter than wine. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, this is not what people have signed up for to listen to us <laughs> try to be musical. Yeah, it's probably hurting people's ears. Yeah, exactly. Especially me. Our uh, our ratings, what do you call it? Our, what do they call that thing that they... Uh, our ratings are down. Instead of having two listeners, we now have zero. <laughs> There were like two two listeners that were like um, kind of giving Nielsen, us Nielsen. one one last chance. Like the Nielsen the Nielsen rating box. <laughs> like our our mothers or or yeah exactly uncles. And they're actually somewhere. They're doing something else. They're doing something else while they're listening, so they're not actually even paying attention. Folding folding laundry or iron, my mom would probably be like ironing sheets. Yeah. Who irons sheets? My mom actually ironed sheets. She was good enough at ironing that she could do it. And in her defense, iron sheets are actually awesome when you put them on the bed. But I can—I I don't even have an ironing board. That was something that I lost in the in the the breakup of the marriage was the ironing board, and that was many years ago now, and I still haven't replaced it. I don't but... have time for that. <laughs> Who's got time for that, right? There are some, there are some uh, like flannel sheets that are so comfy all the time, and you know, like even if they're crumpled up or whatever, they're still comfy. I always found with like, flannel sheets, though, I would end up completely covered in like little bits of fuzz. Maybe I just had cra- <laughs> crappy flannel sheets. I don't know about your sheets, but mine yeah, no. 
Yeah, I got some. The ones that I have on my bed now are okay. They're not ironed though. I, I don't have time for ironing anything. Like I say, I don't. Even, <laughs> I have shirts that need ironing, and they haven't worn them in four years because they need to be ironed. I should probably just take them and get them dry cleaned, really. Hmm. Um. So what? Uh, what have you been? Um... Yeah, okay, we, we, we were t going to talk about Sally Mann, right? We had a couple of things, yeah, because I watched that whole uh, thing, and, and I, I didn't pick that one because of anything really in particular. It was the first one that came up, and I find that that Art 21 show is, is a phenomenal resource. Mm -hmm. I, I love just, you know, and there's artists that I know and artists that I don't know, and, I, I, and it's kind of funny because the first artist on that one was Richard Serra. Oh, yes. Who, who is, we've talked about him before, and I know yes. you're not a huge fan of the giant man making giant sculpture, sort of, <laughs> it's it's kind of a cliche, I agree, but he is pretty, he is a pretty incredible artist, and I, I really like his installations, the way that you walk into them, and I, I we, we've probably talked about all this before, so we made him to dwell on it. There's one at the um, International uh, Terminal at Pearson Airport that I didn't know was there. And I was just like, when I, I think it was when I last time I flew internationally, it was probably when I went to Greece like seven years ago, but it was amazing to walk in and see suddenly there's this thing. Well, you can just walk like in, inside of it and around it. And it's just, it's a, it's a, an amazing thing. But yeah, the, the Sally Mann thing was, uh, that was interesting to me. I think she's a, a phenomenal artist and I hadn't heard so much about the stuff that you were talking about with her, her children being pursued by pedophiles. That's not good. Well, um, I watched a. I know she's controversial. I don't. I know that for sure. I watched but... a um, a what would you call that? A twenty years later kind of thing, um, where the children are talking to their mother, and yeah. one of them, the son, is not you know too too thrilled with the experience. Yeah, they, they talked to them on this Art 21 as well. And okay. I didn't get that so much from this, but I think there's a lot that you can do with the way that you edit things. At one point, they asked her to leave so they could talk, like, sort of in camera about her, and that was pretty interesting. And they just said it was she was a very intense person to have as a mother. Yes. I think, I think that sort of sums it up. Yeah. That's and amazing. I I remember the first time that I saw her photographs, I think the first one I saw was the one of the – the daughter like smoking a cigarette it's called yeah. candy candy smoking and, and i think it was in a little book that i had that was called it's actually a big book but i had the little version of it because you know those like uh fade on or, or what's the name of that publisher anyway they made it's called like 20th century art and it just had various uh, iconic um images from iconic i guess 20th century artists and and sally mann was in there and that was the picture that they had and there's something about her ability to frame a shot that i think is just like you just kind of go wow like everybody thinks like being a photographer is easy and then you see somebody that can take it to that level that you can't even imagine you don't even really know what it is that takes it there to me i i, I don't totally understand that i i'm with you i i don't know much about this level of photography but um, yeah, I do yeah, admire I mean... her, her tenacity and her, her eye and her vision. But that series, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I to, don't it, like it at all. And, I... and it's it's interesting because I'm somebody who doesn't have kids, and so that's not the first thing that comes into my head. And as soon as you said that, I thought, well, yeah, like, you know, to to put your family in some sort of situation of any sort of situation for your art is 
probably not a cool thing to do, right? I, I, mean, I think she overlooked that in order to create, in order to to have that being shown. Um, but I don't think that there is nothing, nothing that would make me do something to the level that I would make my children uncomfortable. There's no way, no. Well, the... I guess you, so you've seen this other thing that I haven't seen. And I saw the the, the 20th or 21 thing. It doesn't sound like you watched the segment on her, but it was interesting because one of the things that she brought up was that she was the fourth child in a family of four kids. And her parents were very anti-religious, like basically atheists. And this would have been at a time when that was, would have been pretty unusual in the United States mm. because I expect she's about 10 years older than I am. She's probably about 60. And, yeah, and uh, she had a very free kind of living. Yeah, right? she had yeah exactly. She had very interesting kind of upbringing. But one of the things she said was, and I know this from my own family because there's four four kids in my family. I'm the oldest, so I'm the one. My mom actually is like you know cleaning out her house, and she's giving me like she snuck into my bag when I was visiting there last weekend a bag filled with like stuff that I did when I was in grade two, right or whatever, like old stuff, and it's. Oh. Anyway, so she so she kept all that stuff, and I guess what I'm getting oh. at is that I, she doesn't have quite as much of that with the fourth child, and so this is what Sally Mann was saying that she said she, she gets the impression looking back and thinking back that her her parents were sort of tired of being parents by the time she came along, and she said it wasn't like it was a negative experience. It was I think she the word she used was benign neglect. She said all the pictures of her as a child she has no clothes on. Yeah. And so she said, and I think she's make, making this connection between the, 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 the series of photographs that she did with her own kids. And, and uh, the other one that was interesting has nothing to do with it, but she said they had 12 boxers when, <laughs> as a kid. And she remember her early childhood memories are basically being surrounded by like a pack of dogs. <laughs> yes. So, and, and you can see it in her intensity. Yeah. I, like I said, I didn't know too much about, the uncomfortableness and I didn't get that so much from the way that they did these interviews. But like I said, I think there's a lot that you can do with editing to make a, a documentary give the message that you're trying to get across. Right. And mm -hmm. so they might have not shown the stuff that was, I, I don't know, mm -hmm. but in any case, uh, I, I, I like the way that she frames images and I, I there was, a, she was doing wet, like glass stuff in this too. That was pretty cool where she like takes a plate of glass and, and, you dump sort of a chemical on it and it's like it's like the first kind of pictures that were ever taken is what she's been doing lately oh yes yes isn't that amazing yeah like wet plate or something it's called mm. is yeah it's I, I yeah she's definitely a controversial figure and i don't think you're going to get uh you're going to get people from all sides talking about the pros and cons of her but i guess in a way you have to say that's kind of what makes good art is controversy right I yes, I guess. Um, good, not, not, not what is good art? Uh, good in quotation mark. Uh, yeah, it's. Um... Well, I think the, the what I'm trying to say is a lot of the art that moves things forward in the artistic world. It, at some point has been controversial. Like when you think of like whole movements of art, like abstract expressionism or color field painting or or performance art or the, the Dada or whatever, it's always, there's always been an element of controversy to it. And then eventually years down the road, it, it just seems kind of normal. 
Yes, yes, that's that's uh, that's a good point, definitely. I'm I just bought a book uh, called the Avant-Garde, the Avant-Garde, and it's uh, in the 80s, and um, a lot of the stuff I'm seeing now uh, in the art galleries are they're not new they've been done for the past 30 years at least so it's it's really interesting to see that uh, they're not that people today the what they're creating is not that um, groundbreaking because it it's been done for a long time already but it's just that we don't know that because we we don't necessarily people don't necessarily read books of the avant-garde or the dada or whatever you know so it, it was interesting like i'm looking at this um this uh, book and there's um collection of wood uh parts of furniture sort of uh uh agency, uh, organized on the floor um, and it was very similar to um, a, some work that uh, Maggie Groat um, showed us that she was she visited our university last uh, month, um, and she's she's um, a new uh, native uh, artist in um, Hamilton, and um, she. Uh, she's done maybe like 10 years of work and most of her work looks like that and okay it, 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 and it's like it's like when we look at it we seem to think oh this is this new she's because she's always in in galleries she was at museum london uh two years ago and that's how i knew her and uh, you know her her work looks like at the um you know, it looks like it's it's super super new and you know and but there's a whole it's it's not that groundbreaking you know like that's that's funny. Yeah, and I, I I say I think it becomes well not just that I think it's a fact it becomes harder and harder to be to do something that's new but yet somehow sometimes it still happens and you kind of go wow that's really amazing that somebody thought of that I. Of course, I don't have anything off the top of my head that I can think mm -hmm. of like that. But you know, it's it's true in in any art form, like in in film and in and television even as well, where you suddenly you'll see something and you'll say that's really clever. Like you know, everything you think has been done, and yet there's this something that has been done that is new. You know, it really has like a, a and and often those things don't do particularly well, like in terms of immediately people understanding it on mass for sure it's usually just the people that are really in the know that see it and then if you're talking about something that's designed to make money which i guess most things are they often don't make very much money right away but i think they're in it for the long haul mm -hmm. if you know what i mean so a lot of things it's like okay this person is going to matter at some point in the future but right now they're it's just kind of too kind of crazy for people to I mean, as a new, recent example, even like the new Blade Runner film, for example, like I thought that thing was just an amazing piece of art, but you know, it, it just blew at the box office. But you know that that thing is going to stand the test of time. It was just something that it was slow and cerebral, and it had nothing to do with with like most modern pieces of like 
you know, science fiction. Most of these things are about like more explosions and chases and mm-hmm. stuff that people can grab onto right away. It was, it was not like that at all. And, and, uh, I, I you know, it didn't. I think critically, it did fairly well, but box office wise, not so well. But I'm willing to bet that as the time goes on and it gets put out on Blu-ray or whatever, and people download it or whatever, it'll it'll do okay. But it's and and the same thing. I'm sure it's the same thing with lots and lots of artwork. Although, who makes money off of art? <laughs> Let's be serious here. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter whether you can paint like a, a photographic realistic image or. A, whether you're just like slapping paint on the canvas like Jackson Pollock, it's like it's it's pretty hard to get noticed. We don't pay enough. I don't think as a culture we don't give enough credit to that sort of art. You know, to not not just painting, but I, I'm thinking painting because I think I think painting is kind of the best of the that sort of art. The sort of you know your your fine arts or whatever. I, I like that more than photography. I like it more than performance art. I like it more than than video art. I like all of, all of them, but I, to me, painting to me is still the one that is the kind of holy grail. I agree. I agree. And I think that painting can always kind of evolve and, and, uh, say different things. And, uh, well, anyway, I've, I'm, I paint, so I'm, I'm happy Biased. with painting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and when I say painting, I, I actually mean a wider, window of of things that i'm not i I would say textile art i would say drawing i would say like even like sculpture to really like anything that's kind of done as a a a physical sort of thing that you can look at that you're you make it and it's done and then people look at it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and something Um, that that i think has more of a connection to just ordinary people I think it's hard to connect with people like, for example, performance art. Like if you're talking about like your average people that live in Sault Ste. Marie, they probably don't have a whole lot of patience for, for or understanding or care about to go out and watch a piece of performance art, right? Maybe eventually they could get there, but I think there's a process and painting is a good, a good stepping off point to get into art because I think that it makes the most sense in a way to people that they can imagine having a painting on their wall, you know? Yes. Yeah, but at the same time, um, pa- I think painting gets like in in masters program programs it gets a bad rep because well, people have think... been doing it in uh, in their uh, in their pro in their um, BAs and they they like they they wanna they move students away from painting and. And bring them into photography, performance, installation, because they think that it's that's the now that's that's the most relevant. And as you said earlier, that your work should uh, bring some sort of controversy. That it that's good art. So I I feel that um, masters programs push this kind of thing where you have to start saying things that will shock or um, anger or you know bring light to some current issue that has to be political in a way so that's where I feel that we're losing something instead of I'm not saying that we all have to be crafters and always constantly be making precious objects. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But why 
why why is it that it's so common now that that's where you have to go in order to grow? You know? I, I think there's a few things that are going on here. I think one thing is is I, I would I would encourage almost if you're taking art to the masters or higher level, probably painting is something that would be a difficult thing to do that. But you can always come back to painting, and maybe you could somehow include painting in your installations or in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other problem, though, what I was thinking before, I thought that second, but I thought first when you were talking about this was, I think a lot of it is driven by art criticism, unfortunately. Mm. And, the, and I think the art critics are the ones that drive stuff. And, and I think, uh, in my opinion, they're often wrong. I think that they, they push this agenda of like painting being like a tired art or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Painting's going to be around as long as we are. And Lord knows that might be like another two years at this point. <laughs> yes. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, yes. Like to me, painting is like a real object, having something you can hang on your wall. It's like that. You don't want people that are doing that to just be um, like Ken Danby types, right? Like you don't no. want it to just be about – you want – there to be like an artistic input to that and for that you need people that are going through the sorts of programs that are pushing like i don't know um whatever university you go to if you're doing a master's degree like to do a master's degree in painting i think would be tough but i I think that you're trying to expand your mind about art in general and that i think an artist should always be willing to come back to painting and drawing and and those sorts of aspects of even photography really like I, i said earlier i what separates like a good photograph from a bad photograph it's like obvious to my eye but it's like totally obscured to my brain as to what it is that makes like like a sally man photograph so much better than a photograph that i took right yes we we we've had i've had a few conversations around uh, photography because um at the dawadaji gallery we've had a few um exhibits where we had photographers and um, uh, what you were saying reminded me of um, this photographer who had a series of photographs uh, done um, in Wawa, and some of them were in Las Vegas. And his style was not very defined uh, yet. Um, so we had. Uh, conversations about it but I go to photography almost as a painter I I don't uh, I don't think of it uh, as a photographer so my comments to him were um, that the ones where there were a lot of pauses for silence or um, there were areas that um, allowed for some room, uh, some silence in the the photographs. I was more attracted to, rather than this. That's interesting. Filled up to the max, kind of, uh, you know, or or rather than a landscapey kind of picture, you know. Um, so I find that a lot of photographers go for maybe the shock value. They'll take a picture of an old man. Uh, you know, wearing um, orange uh, uh, slippers and with their <laughs> gut hanging out or something like that, you know. But, <laughs> that was probably um, me. That was probably but, me. <laughs> but that's, that's, yes, that's, I guess that's a kind of documenting. But to me, that's like too 
too easy it's too there right away like you you get this kind of shock um and i don't think that that's the kind of thing that i like in photography i i like um lynn cohen is my favorite she does uh interiors. i know the name yeah she does like interiors of um you know those uh hunt clubs uh training uh centers where uh, the police goes to train and there are like she finds she finds these interiors in these mostly men men uh, attended clubs and um, it's just that's the kind of photography that I feel when she finds the composition without moving anything that's another thing she doesn't touch the environment she's in and she finds the composition, I find that that's really compelling photography for me. That's reminding me, uh, a bit of a tangent, but that's reminding me of, um, I think they called it Document 95. It was a filmmaking style that came out of Denmark. And the idea was that you use no, not, everything is natural in your film. Natural light, and you gotta use everything that's there. You're not allowed to like, and, and uh, who is there's oh i shouldn't I, should, I probably shouldn't have gone here considering this is you know we're live on air and everything and i can't mm -hmm. I, my memory my memory is terrible but but um anyway uh there were there a bunch of filmmakers out of denmark that did this and it's it's very interesting and i've watched a few of them um in the past and it's been a while now but uh i i i, I with you i like the idea of of not arranging of having everything just kind of be as it is when you when you show up kind of to do it it's, it's pretty cool yes but also not going for the the immediate uh, obvious thing and I don't think that my friend would have understood that if I told him that so instead <laughs> I sent him um, uh, he did not know Lynn Cohen so I, I sent him some examples of her work just saying this is this is photography that i that impresses me kind of thing like, yeah yeah exactly i don't yeah. like your photography but <laughs> this impresses me no i know you wouldn't have said well, that and another um another photographer that was there um she's done something super cool and i thought i thought that he would have been interested in hers but he was more interested in speaking about his own stuff than learning about uh, some somebody else. Oh, work. tell me, there's tell me, there's no other artists out there that are like that. <laughs> oh my God! Well, that's well, the one thing that I would complain about the arts community is they're also goddamn full of themselves. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this in public, but but it, you, you know what I'm saying. Yes. So, and and the anyway, best artists are the ones that are available are, are that can rise above that though that that are not totally fixated on themselves and well, that can move move, on, move beyond that and and understand that there's this huge body of work that has informed who they are like consciously or not and you've got to you've got to acknowledge that absolutely. and you've got to continue to learn and you have to continue and, to yes learn. Uh, totally anyway so um, Taylor what she did was apparently and I, I think I knew that but there are cameras all over the world that you can go to um, that are taking pictures you know in public domain and you can access those photographs from from these cameras 
And there are some cameras that are set up in like really isolated places that you wouldn't even think that why is there a camera there? Like the so men's room in an airport? <laughs> no, <kidding>. no. <laughs> like in the middle of a forest or on top of a mountain or... A bird like, cam. <laughs> a bird cam. You know, where you're watching a nest for like getting all excited because someday this eagle's going to hatch, right? There's going to yeah. be an eaglet, an eaglet right in front of me and I want to watch this. I'm not going to sleep until this eaglet hatches. <laughs> well... It's, it's, it was her, and it was But that's good. cool, that's cool. I'm, I'm, so I'm she, she took stupid. some <laughs> of, no, but totally, she took some of these images, um, I think it was a parking lot for a, a ferry uh, somewhere in some, maybe in Denmark or Norway, um, and she took images from that, and she, she printed them. Um, I forgot which which uh, process she used. Uh, it wasn't silk screening, might have been um, photo etching, and that gave that that process of selecting these images. You know, somebody might have said, "Well, that's lazy because you didn't take those photos." But no, that's not was... lazy. That's modern and that's genius. That's got nothing mm. to do with being lazy. That's what it means to be a modern artist. Well, she was. She was um, also. She was giving them a physicality because she was printing them um, on uh, parchment or whatever on on good rag paper. And she was talking about surveillance. So, you know, how no, that's we are... not to me. What we were talking about earlier when I said it's every once in a while you get somebody who comes across and you think everything's been done before. And then you get something like that. This is a new thing that wouldn't have been available before. And she's turned it into into fine art. Like to me, that's that is your job as an artist. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that her process was. Really cool. And another um, process she did was that she she grew up uh, in a family where she did not know so many of her own relatives. Uh, but an aunt passed away and gave her some old photos, and she didn't know anybody. And then she she printed those, and they were. Um, very saturated um, Polaroid type pictures. That's cool. And she overlaid. I love that shit. I love I that know, stuff. I know. Yeah, I love that she, stuff. She overlaid um, acetates uh, on the um, photographs, and then she wrote with a marker, uh, like little point, little arrows pointing at different people and making kind of comments like. Uh, you know how you would when you're viewing like old in, pictures with your like friends. An and, yeah, like an Instagram. Yeah, sort of. Like uh, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what Instagram is. I, totally I I... out of it. Uh, <laughs> is 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 waiting to go to the bathroom or something like that. You know, like little comments. Uh, you know, not impressed or uh, commenting on the clothes on whatever. That's like cool. that. So yeah, it's it And works. that reminds me of an interesting thing that happened to uh what Kareen and I back in the day, years back. Uh her Kareen's mother, my ex wife's mother, um had this family friend 
the Germans, they were called Alex and Lula German. And they, these, these couple never had children and Alex died a bunch of years back and Lula eventually died. But before all this happened, we ended up inheriting some other stuff through Kareem's mom. And one of the things we got were like, I bet you there were 20 carousels of slides from their family vacations from the 50s oh, and 60s. That's oh my God. We sat, oh. we'd invite people over to watch these things. These are like, like Algonquin park. Drive oh. into Algonquin Park in like a 1965 Chev and stuff. It's like, oh, oh. my God, this is so cool. And Crean, Crean got those and the ironing board. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anytime I wanted to look at them again, and that's the sort of thing I'd like to – and we had a slide – that we got their slide projector and everything too, and it was just like, wow, this is so cool, you know, to go oh. through. And it's weird because it's like almost voyeuristic because you're looking at somebody else's life who you don't know. Yeah, these little mom little moments taken in time that you're re re summoning in in front of your eyes. Just you're in this other time and space, and you're seeing a little snippet of a moment. Yes, yes, that's just amazing. And now. And the world we have now, we've got these computers that we carry around with us and they can take amazing quality photographs. And you take people take millions of photographs, usually of themselves, <laughs> and yeah. they never look at them again, ever, right? They just pile up under their memory and then they need more memory because they need more pictures of themselves that they're never going to look at. And <laughs> back then, though, like it was a big deal. Like this was like he had a decent camera. He was taking slides rather than than prints so that is a little bit of a level of sophistication unto itself in my opinion because now you're going to project these things and look at them at a larger scale right and, and yes and you don't you know now it's like you can just take like a million pictures and it doesn't cost anything but back then you had to develop them right so unless and not, not i'm not saying that he was like they're not really great photographers he was actually an architect hmm. that's german and he kind of you know he made things that look like uh I seem to remember Crane telling me like he would design things like horrible schools from the 60s. <laughs> so I don't know, but whatever. I think those. I think everything has its kind of beauty to it for and, and its period value, right? Like I like oh, brutalist okay. architecture, for example. I like that like that big concrete, like ugly stuff. Like oh, the, yeah. the DB Weldon Library. I don't think that's necessarily brutalist, but but it's. Uh, I, I like I like stuff like that. I don't know why. I just. I just like objects, I guess. I like things that are big and that are 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 at some level of design. Like somebody wanted this to look this way, you know. I think a lot yeah. of people don't think a lot of people don't think about that. They just think things just appear and that they don't understand the amount of work that goes into making a, a building. Like, well, in some well, cases, if, they... if you ever come here, Mark, there's a public library here that is so seventies. You're gonna love it. Oh yeah, or, orange carpet still, or did they update the interior? Did they upgrade you, the interior? Yeah, the the carpet was upgraded, but the rest of it is is Not pretty much. Not much you can do about the rest of it, yeah. <laughs> um, talking about the seventies, I we're watching season two of Fargo, and it's oh, yeah. set in the seventies. Season one, I didn't get through it, but that wasn't because I didn't like it. It's because I. I watched too many things. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, season two is is set in the seventies, and it's pretty amazing. The interiors are just perfect. Well, I see David is into his like third or fourth watching of Mad Men, and I, I love period television. I have to say, I 
anything that's done well with period television, I am just all over it. And I love Mad Men for that. And I don't know, like Halt and Catch Fire is like 80s and there's just like all these things. So I should I should probably watch that. And and I guess they're unconnected, right? Like it's or season two is connected because it's before Fargo, right? It's like the parents of the people that are in Fargo, if I recall correctly, right? That's right. That's right. So it starts out, I think we're in 2005, 2006, and then we go for so season two. Uh, the main character, the policewoman, is a, it is a child, and uh, she's, her father is a police officer. So we're and there's, in her and, there, and there's the same kind of shenanigans going on. Same kind of, yeah. Yeah, same. small town weird stuff, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I should. I should pick that one up again. I should. I really should. I, I. I enjoyed it, and I just end up sometimes watching too many things and then forgetting what I'm watching. Uh, I would. I would very <laughs> much be interested in your take on the cinematography because I love the I first feel the, that... in the first in the first season. I love the cinematography, and I don't know. It's. I think it's different directors they use for it. Well, season two is even better. I mean, every frame every scene is has got something going on and it's yeah, just amazing and and to be honest the film fargo was like that like coen brothers like i mean they're great and they got like roger deakins or whatever doing he's their like main guy who does like their I'm not sure what Roger Deakins' job is with it but, but he shows up in all of their films and he's to do with like their you know, cinema, not cinematographer. I'm not sure even what the job title is, but in any case, I love that. I love the way that film is laid out. I just could watch the just without even the sound on. I could just watch it. Hmm. And I, I think that that's probably a conscious bit on the part of the the television is to try to reproduce that as much as possible. Did you watch? Um, did you did you watch Breaking Bad? No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get into <laughs> it. Just too much, huh? That yeah, was too much. much for me. Well, I wasn't—I wasn't actually even going to bring that up. It's just that that's—I was going to bring that up because the thing that I—I've I, watched all of is uh, Better Call Saul, which is the prequel. Oh to that. yeah, Better Call Saul, I can watch. Yeah, totally. yeah. So you've, wa- you've watched that. The cinematography yes. in that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think. I yes. Think. Like there are shots yes. in that that I could just like hit it, put it on pause, and think of it like a painting. Exactly. Like, like, like this, these desert shots, or there's a sh- there's one shot where he's the one that really made me realize that. He's standing, waiting in line to go and do his, like, civic duty to pick up garbage. And he's standing in front of this, like, building waiting for a bus to pick him and a bunch of other delinquents up. To, yeah. And it's just like they kind of keep panning back, and it's like this giant building, and he's just standing there. And it's just like, man, this is like a Hopper painting. It's it's incredible. Yeah, actually, Hopper uh, pops up a lot in uh, Fargo 2 as well. I believe. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I am one of the... I, I feel like most people I talk to don't notice that. They, they don't pick up on that as much as I do. I, I, I'm, like, all over looking at, like, the, you know, the screen image, especially if I'm at the theater where you're seeing it, like, in glorious giant size and being able to just say, wow, that's, like, that was planned, you know? Like, that's that's beautiful set work and cinematography and, like, the coloration, everything about it, the palette that they used even, you know? Oh yeah, well in in Fargo, the palette is you know the painting uh, Nighthawks. Oh yeah. By Hopper. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, so that's so it's like a very dark and the browns saturated, earthy and dark palette. Yes, yeah, very saturated, but in snow. So yeah, that's cool. I I should watch that. I would like that a lot. It's funny we were just talking about this last night because we were I was with a friend of mine, Susan, and uh, we and she's a big Wes Anderson fan, as most of the people I know are, and and he's another guy that picks incredible palettes like his palette like any every one of his films has a palette of its own and you can yes. go through and see like um the tannenbaum royal tannenbaums has this like kind of particular palette or the the boy scout one that just came out was or didn't just come out i guess it was maybe the last one i don't remember the name of it now but the palette is it's wild it's just like this 70s palette like how do you do this like everything in the whole film is in the same like range of orange. color and, and hue and value. Yeah, there's like, oranges and browns, and but it's still beautiful though. It's not like like the 70s were were was not particularly beautiful, but somehow they, you can, I guess, uh, glamorize it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So okay, it's called the Boy Scout. No, no. Um, geez, I'm, I'm I couldn't remember last night, and I, I again. Wes Anderson. I shouldn't. It's yeah, the one with uh, Bruce Willis in it and the kids that run away and they're looking for these kids that kind of took off. It's it's a very cute film. I've seen it a couple times and I I don't I can't I and, and all of anyway all of Wes Anderson's films have the same like not the same palette but a palette and especially the more recent ones like the um, excellent or the whatever the Budapest Hotel one. That's like I don't know. Oh got, yes. Yeah, totally. you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And it's the same thing as you're talking about with this Fargo show. It's like a good um, production, that sort of stuff. It's Everything is considered, like, the placement of every single object. Like, And I, it's funny because we are talking earlier about, you know, fo- photographs where it's like, no, you're not, this is the way that it is, or, or this Danish movement of filming where it's like no it's like you're going to film this and and if there's like crap all over the place we're just going to leave that crap all over the place we're going to use natural light but at the same and then i I, the other end of it is like you know what probably gets done more often is where there's just absolutely everything is placed perfectly for a reason okay i'm going to uh, name you some wes anderson film titles and you'll tell me which which one it was it's the one that came out in 2000 and probably 13 or 14 uh, Mo- Moonrise yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, 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 Moonrise Kingdom. Okay, yeah, it's a lot of cool. fun. It's a lot of fun. Cool. All right. And well, I think you'd, I think you would appreciate it if you're uh, looking for something beyond just story and acting and all the things that you're usually looking for with film, because it has very, very good artistic uh, direction and, like I say, this particular palette that he uses that you say like how do you do that as a filmmaker like have everything in this same group of colors it's really cool it is it is totally yeah it, it takes filmmaking beyond to me just like what i don't know what the fast and the furious does for us or whatever mm-hmm. i haven't seen any of those i probably would like them actually but but you know what i'm saying right like there's yes. there's art films and then there's films that are kind of combination of art films and they're still going to make some money and then there's films that are just designed to make money yes um, lately I find that movies last way too long they're like two and a half to three hours yeah and and they're not that that good anymore well that was the weird thing about it I was talking earlier about Blade Runner 
and that that's a long film but i found the soundtrack this modern sort of like soundtrack and being in the big theater with this massive sound system of like you know ten thousand watts or whatever the heck they have in a theater sound system and just like i found it like it was it just sucked me in for the whole like i think it is a two and a half hours long it's a long film but uh yeah you got to be careful with that you got to be careful with that for sure yes so... as a as as a, a a producer of films or a or director or whatever because people have i think the hour and a half kind of hour and 20 minutes that most films are i think that that has a kind of natural reason to to, to, be. to exist yes <laughs> exactly totally um, like if I, I watched watch than... i rewatched uh, the shawshank redemption yeah, uh, last night and that's a long film i just loved it so much uh, I think that's a movie that will never age. American Thanksgiving just happened, and I decided I wanted to watch a Thanksgiving film. And my first choice, of course, was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But Yes. <laughs> but then Ashley said, well, we'll each pick one. And she picked one called April in Pieces with, uh, what's her name, Katie Holmes in it. And it's a good indie film. And it was a family drama sort of thing about centered around a, a – a Thanksgiving dinner and people coming to visit and the holidays and stuff. And so because of that, I, I moved on from my planes, trains and automobiles and went to Hannah and her sisters. You've ever seen that? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a good film. I haven't seen that since I was probably like 22 or something like that. I've only <laughs> seen it once before. What a great film. It is. Oh, it's such a great story. And it's got the perfect amount of Woody Allen in it. Like not yeah. that much. <laughs> I like Woody Allen, but uh, I, I prefer it when it's not, when the film isn't about him. Yeah. I like I him as a side character, which is what he was in that one. He had a kind of just the perfect role. He was a comic relief, you know? He was just like the, <laughs> hypochond- the hypochondriac uh, guy who used to be married to Hannah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was good. I, I would recommend watching that one again. And, you know, it's funny. I was looking through the list of films because, of course, I'm doing this through my Cody box because I'm, I'm, an, I'm an evil person. I don't believe people should be paid for their art. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I I don't feel too guilty about that because this is something that they've been paying over and over again, and I do yeah. pay for art. I buy art. Yeah. I pay my Netflix subscription of eight dollars a month or ten dollars a month or yes. whatever. Yes, totally. And I think yeah. I think I think we have Crave too. I didn't watch that, but I think Ashley pays for Crave. But anyway, yeah. I, I went through the list of all of them, and I'm thinking, man, there's so many great like Woody Allen films that I some of them I haven't seen. And oh. Like, like he's he's done like I bet he's done forty films, right? And I've probably seen like ten or fifteen of them. Yeah, that's true. He does he does do independent style movies that like Vicky knows. Cristina Barcelona, that one I'd like to see that, and then like Matchmaker or Matchpoint or he's got like oh, I just, don't know those. Oh, he's got like an incredible list of ones, and they're all quite different too. And and most of them he's not actually in. Them. And again, we're back to controversy. He's another controversial figure, right? A lot of people like they're like I can't watch Woody Allen films because of you know, no. Woody Allen. I think that's stupid, right? I think you yeah. can't, ju- you can't like judge. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I don't support like whatever it is that they were accused of doing or what they did or whatever. But I mean, if you, if you decided that you couldn't like enjoy art by somebody because of their something that they did that you don't agree with morally, you'd probably have not very much art you could actually enjoy. Yeah. I don't think that he, he did what um, the 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 other men that are being uh, like Kevin Spacey and no, I've not, I, yeah. and it's not the same. 
yeah, it's all like whatever. It's all this stuff is just coming up because it's like, and it's, you know, it's topical now. I think in some cases there's a little bit of um, uh, opportunism going on, not to just not to belittle anybody's like. But I mean, I heard a guy who said that like Kevin Spacey grabbed him in a bar and he's ha- he had like post traumatic stress disorder from it. It's like, are you kidding me? Like whatever. Yeah, he shouldn't have done that. But he, what? Like it destroyed your life. Like that's just what people did. For every probably for every person that Kevin Spacey grabbed that is complaining about it, like twenty years later, he probably got got you know got laid by like twenty twenty of them or whatever. Oh shit! <laughs> oh man. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, there's no black and white answer to that. No, it's a difficult one because you don't want to, like, belittle somebody's, like, experiences of being sexually abused, right? I mean, but but what is, like, sexual abuse is, like, somebody grabbing your ass sexual abuse? Yes, I Uh guess. I mean, but is somebody, you know, like, you can get way worse than that. So, (laughs) I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the last person that would... I think in a way people should lighten up a little bit. And I, uh, I, I don't like I, that I've said that publicly, but I, it's just, I just feel like it's like, my God, like, yeah, everybody's done probably something that they regretted in their life. And should that come oh. back and like ruin your life? Like 20 years later, like, yeah. whatever, right? Like yeah. I've never done anything like that, but I've certainly done other things that were stupid. Well, it's, I think the, the point is that, um, some lives have been ruined for, um, these cases and that's and that's uh, legitimate your yeah. life is like yeah there's people that have had and there's some real bad shit and there's there's stuff that went on where there was like a power abuse thing a power relationship thing and there's like women in hollywood that felt that they had no choice but to like sleep with this guy or they yeah. were never going to get ahead and that's wrong yeah. right like yeah. that's that's wrong but that's not what al franken was doing i'm sorry yeah yeah like, well al franken just fucked up i'm you know <laughs> well the thing is um as a woman that's just that's just part of us being women we we've dealt with ever since we were little girls we've dealt with stuff like that yeah we got this real problem almost with, with, every yeah, day exactly and we've got this real problem in our society with with sexual role assignment and and all this stuff that goes on that is like hammered into little boys brains from the time that they're like little boys right and and into little girls too and it's really yeah. hard to overcome that the thing is it's not the the fact that you're men. It's the fact that there's these one, two, like let's say 0.2% of the population that will do crap like that. Like real but bad the shit. Thing is, the thing is they'll do it to tons of women and nothing is going to be done when we talk about it. No, they get elected so, to the, the president of the United States. <laughs> yes. So all these assholes are, you know, giving men a bad name and, you know, like... And it's not most men that are like that. I think there's more. I think it's embarrassing how many of them are like that, but still, it's not most. No, no, exactly. But how many does it take to ruin a a woman's life? It doesn't take that many. No, it takes one. It could could be one incident. But it's it's right? the level it's the level it's the things that are being done that just exactly. So I'm saying one incident of something stop. that's pretty severe, and it's like you know what that could really screw you up for the rest of your life, especially but, if you're like yeah. fucking 14, right? Sorry for the yeah. language, but my God, yeah. like you know, the younger you are, the, the the more you don't know anything yet, right? Like you don't I've, know what you're. 
how you're supposed to respond to this and you don't know in a way you might even it might make you feel good at the time that somebody's older is like giving you this attention but you know what like as time goes on that's probably you're probably going to be questioning that i would think so like as a man uh maybe you know in your whole life you might have some gross guy doing something to you you know uh exposing himself to you whatever it's not gonna ruin your life right uh me and my life i i haven't had tr like this level of trauma but i've had so much instances of like low level kind jackass, of noise it's just oh, happening every like, day basically yes. uh, comments uh being yeah, exactly. whistled uh, once uh, a man grabbed my breast in his house, I, I was like selling things, you know, I, I didn't go stuff, to the it's police. Just so, it's just so bizarre but, to me that people would do that. I just so find that so weird. But, you know, that, that was bad. And that was... Yeah, and that that's was... worthy. And that's worthy of me too, right? That's for sure. <laughs> You know but what I, I mean? And I think it's worth it's worth for people to know that this is not something that is isolated. This is something that I'm willing to bet every woman has, has dealt with in her yes. life. If, if, like, if people say they haven't dealt with it, it's because they haven't acknowledged it in their own head and they're 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 not willing to talk about it. Yeah, well... Um, That's my, my feeling. You know... Uh, and young men, so, too. I mean, it happens to men as well, right? It's not, well, it's not yeah. as widespread, but it still happens. Of course, of course. First, but all this is about this sort of um, uh, privilege or this sort of uh, thing that is given, this power that is given automatically. I mean, I saw it yes, in a yes. in a very like very uh, slight, very lame very weak fashion in in my nephew when um he was talking about he's very young he's in like uh, uh elementary school still and he's he was being uh, offended he was saying can you believe that they're changing the um national anthem from in all thy sons command to in all of us command like yeah, that's he was like saying it from, happened, from his point of view as a, a man who owns everything right so it's it's and where, I know does that it's... where does that come from like why would a kid in elementary school care about that like it's probably because his parents probably said something or or maybe he has a friend whose parents said something and they it rings a chord with them right and it's, they think it's... yeah it's in the it's almost in the air that we breathe it's just it's there yeah it takes more effort to to question it than it does to 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 accept and to complain about it for sure dave when i told him that he said children are very conservative they, that's actually that's a pretty pretty astute point i think it's like i think kids probably don't really like change <laughs> and that's that's I think fundamentally what some of these things are about. Although I I'm not trying to take away the the the, ma the male kind of yes it should all be about men thing. But I think there's a and I because I know like my brother Glenn is like he's not a conservative. He's not at all. He's he's like but he gets like he he'll get his back up about like you know 
why should they change the Chicago Blackhawks team name? It's just always been that way. And it's like, you know, you don't, you're, you're just not being culturally sensitive, right? In these sorts of things. We're getting way off topic here, by the way, but that's okay. I like <laughs> but you, you, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? And I, I don't think that, I don't, I think in some cases people don't actually think through the implications of the sorts of things that they're advocating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they just think, okay, this is just the way it's always been. And it's stupid to think that we should have to change this. I mean, in the United States, like, you know, like arguing that you should be able to leave like statues of racist generals up and like, it's like, give me a a break, like tear those things down. If you want to keep them, sure, put them in a museum somewhere so that we remember it. But don't, you Mm -hmm. don't, you don't have to, you don't celebrate it as part of your your culture. That's crazy. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. It's like if, if. If Germany was had like statues of Hitler and Himmler like just all over the place, right? It's like no, they are embarrassed about that, and the United States should be embarrassed about what happened, what's happened in their history. But they they're not there, right? They just don't they they're they're too kind of short sighted and narrow minded and and uh, inward looking, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like a lot of these people have never even they don't have passports. They've never left the United States. It's like. They don't have any idea what it means to like live in Iran or to live in Russia or to live in in South America, like, like all these places that they're like demonizing. It's like they have no idea what that even means. It's like these people are just trying to live like the rest of us, right? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> anyway, I'm totally off topic here now. We should probably maybe maybe no, no, maybe no, yeah. it's, it's all good. I, no, no, uh... no. I think it's great. I like I really like talking to you, and um, yeah. I, I, I I hopefully we can we we can keep doing this, and hopefully not twice a year or more, maybe more like four or five times a year or even more than that <laughs> uh how how's uh how's everything at work how's how's uh your life how's ashley how's the house oh, she's doing well she just had to go through that whole uh teacher's college strike because she's actually in uh, going to fanshawe now taking a, a course to become a, a law clerk oh yes to, to get out of working she works for td and it's a pretty good job, but, you know, you, her heart's not really in. Well, she's, like, in a call center, basically, right? Yeah. You know, she's, and she doesn't like that, and she's got a good mind for, I mean, she did could. She, did she lose her, her, uh, semester? No, they, they, the no, I don't think that was ever really, I think they were to the edge of where that might have happened, but what they're doing is they're, they're going as far as they can to the Christmas holiday, and then they're going to extend the term two weeks into January, and then they're going to remove the break week during the next semester and, and then everything they, and then everything will be basically on track again did they get what they wanted well no because they ended up getting legislated back to work right i don't know the details of it but i expect that they're they're in some kind of mediation right now to figure out what the future holds i think they just get legislated back to work they go back to the conditions that they had before with the idea that they've got some kind of a you know, an impartial arbitrator that works between the two of the of the the college and the the union and tries to come up with something. Or actually, it's not even trying to come up with. I think it's basically saying this is how it's going to be, right? It's like they they'll consider both sides. And I think in most cases, arbitration works in the favor of the union. Okay. So I, I think they'll probably they'll probably get some. I mean, the big thing that they wanted was um, to have not have like 75% of their staff be on contract. They wanted mm-hmm. to move that to 50%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's fair, right? I mean, you work, you work in the system, right? It's, it's kind of crazy. Like I worked in it too. And like, seriously, they take advantage of people. Oh, so much. Yeah. It's yeah. bullshit. It really is. And, and, yeah. and I don't know how much you talked to your brother-in-law, Dan, but he was, he was pretty vocal about it too. You know, he it, being working there and it's like, and he's not really a super political guy. I don't get the impression, but it's like, no. you know what, this is something that, that is like, it's, it really like stinks. Like it, there's just, it's just so obvious and they're not asking for more money even. Well, they are, I guess in an indirect way because they, but they, they're looking at the, they're looking out for the benefit of the, of the, the college system and the students. Right. Well, yeah, I think oh. so. I mean, I think the colleges, I don't know, like they've just become like this kind of money-making thing where it's got nothing to do with like quality of education and everybody complaining about the, you know, the, and, 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 in all honesty, all I saw with this was people being on side with the the instructors. I don't. I think this was a real bad move on the point of the college. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I, it's all gone this way. Our whole economy has gone towards yeah, the part, gig part timing. Like, yeah, the gig economy where people are working like they don't have real jobs, they don't have benefits. Yeah. It's like, give me a break. There's more money being made than ever before. We have like, to make the, a stand. Yeah. Yeah, no, we got, yeah, there's, there's some changes that would have to happen. And we're really, I think we're at a cusp of, of those changes happening because we've got technology. We've got like, there's just so many things on the side of just like, why are we people like killing themselves to make like, you know, 10 bucks an hour, right? It's like, it's not enough to live on. Could you imagine trying to raise a, like a single mom making like minimum wage? I have wage? no idea. I yeah. No I, idea. I don't, I just like, it just blows my mind to even think about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and you, and you don't need to have, like, an opulent lifestyle. I mean, I arguably would have that to a degree because I don't have much in the way of responsibilities and I own my own house and et cetera, et cetera. But, but I, I, I still feel like, okay, I'm not really, like, saving that much money. And I couldn't imagine, like, making, like, like a quarter of what I make or a half of what I make even. It would be like, what the hell would – how would you do that if you had, like, two kids? I have no idea. Exactly. But, um, um, so – uh, how's everything at work, Mark? Works pretty good. Uh, um, it's kind of the same old, right? You know, you show up there. I was just there today. Actually, we went for a, with my friends John and Christine. We went for a, a, a walk in the woods, and I, I work in the woods basically. Oh. Fanshawe Conservation Area, if you remember. Yeah. London, Italy. Yeah. So my office is right there. So we went for a walk along the trail there, and then I took them into my office and showed them. I work in a beautiful beautiful new office that's just you know it was built in 2000 finished in 2012 and we moved in there in the summer of 2012 and it's just like it's a beautiful public space so and you know and i you kind of take it a little bit for granted because you go there every day but i brought my friends there that haven't seen it and they're just like wow this is incredible you get to come here every day and you kind of (laughs) it's good it's good to be reminded of these things right I saw um, an article about how London was going to make um, the city safer for women and the um, conservation um, group was part of one of the um, organizations that would be sharing um, efforts to... uh, to make the city like safer for yeah, like, maybe, walking at night and yeah, that might be to do with I, I don't know I, I didn't hear that, but that might be to do with maybe the trails at the park or something. I don't know how they would how they would make those safer. But... Okay, well, lighting is important. Yeah, yeah. Well, having... the worry 
phones yeah, or yeah. like um, little areas where you can uh, be safe if you need to. How you safe know? do you feel in Sault Ste. Marie if you're out at night? I don't walk outside in Sault Ste. Marie at night. I, Is it because don't. you don't feel safe or it's just like... It's just... I don't feel safe in Sault Ste. Marie, no. Is there stuff that happens or just it's just kind of... Yeah, you it can... happens. Stuff happens, and you just don't yeah, want to be. You don't happens. want to be encouraging that stuff. There's all kinds of. Um, I've been told that Sault Ste. Marie is a hub for human trafficking. Jesus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and there's drugs, a lot of drugs. Um, so there's and, some crime. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a lot of crime yeah, here. Yeah. So if there's crime there, you don't want to be out in the boat. Yeah, I don't see it. Like you don't see it too much, and the the police are doing. Um, everything they can to to change things they have a neighborhood center um, and they give services to uh, people who are on the street um, so like dental and getting your hair washed and the haircut and stuff like that but um, there's a lot more that needs to be done I've got this little picture of you on my phone here from Skype how long ago was that taking your hair's looking pretty long <laughs> yeah, that was last year, I think. Is it still uh, that? Is it getting longer, or did you get it cut? No, I I got it cut to um because I was starting this new job and I I gave my hair. Oh right, I remember to make that a wig. I remember yeah. seeing that on Facebook. Well, it was getting I I couldn't do anything with it. It was just getting too too big and too long. So yeah, and you're growing your beard. Ashley's like, <laughs> like that too. She's got like. This, you know, when I met her, she had this crazy hair that was like right down her back and curly, and but yet she never had it down. It was always just like in a giant bun or whatever, and and uh, so since then she's had it cut like it's like you know, completely removed on one side and uh, and like what do you call that? Like an undercut and shorten the other, and she straightens it. So she prefers that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just easier to maintain and. Just like I, I was happy to have my hair long because uh, I hadn't had it this long since I was thirteen. Maybe. Yeah, it's pretty long. It's pretty long in that picture. You look a lot like your uh, your daughter as well, by the way. In that picture. <laughs> oh, she's uh, she's visiting. We we unfortunately um, um, her her boyfriend's mom just passed away. She was only fifty six. Oh, that's uh, sad. Did yeah, she have cancer or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll 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 do it, right? Yeah. So, um, they they were here to organize the um, celebration of life, and they're kind of uh, just hanging out with family right now, and so I'm just uh, thinking about thinking about the really the shortness of life. It's it's not long. We're not here for well, long. Well, the thing that, yeah, and I, 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 as I read stuff about cosmology and understanding, like, real big picture, long-term stuff, it's like, it's so crazy how short we're here and the influence that we can have. And and as I get older and I remember being younger, how long, like, 10 years seemed like a long time, like when I was 20, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. 10 years now, it's like, holy crap. <laughs> It's like 2012 when I moved into my place on Stanley Street, and we, they were saying we got this new building at work, and that seems like not that long ago, and that's like 
you know, seven years, like five years ago now. It's like, it's just like a crazy, crazy, crazy. It is. Yeah. So anyway, we probably should wrap it up. Yes. Yes. We're rambling, but that's okay. I, I like talking to you and, uh, I should be able to do it again. I'm not sure the, this Christmas, the holiday season might be tough. Maybe we wait till new year, but maybe one more, maybe we can, Sundays are usually, Sunday afternoons are usually pretty good for me. So maybe we can fit something in in the next couple of weeks before the new year. Oh, that'd be lovely. I'll look yes. at my schedule and uh, I will send you some suggestions and you look at yours and see if it works. Oh, that sounds perfect. Okay, you take care, Isabel, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, Mark. Okay, cheers. Cheers.